Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song, what a song. Who can it be now? Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is Rory Sauter. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. It is great to be with all of you. I have missed you since last night. We had a fantastic show yesterday. Got so much established. Had such great dialogue. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my audience, my amazing co-hosts, and my amazing sponsors. You guys are all uh, the best of the best and incredible. And uh, everybody, don't forget, we are listened to in 22 different countries and on over 60 online platforms. Again, that's in 22 different countries and on over 60 online platforms. And if you miss any of our past shows, past clips, or need any 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our new, our new media site, the next nex gen gen usa.com and don't forget and i will be announcing more about this in the near future that we will be having many notable names doing their own shows on my new network so we're very excited uh to have that uh in place and uh as the dates get closer in the coming months i will announce more and more uh details and uh everything in regards to that uh i do want to welcome uh my co-host uh Businessman, Twitter master. Um, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm, it was cutting out for a second. A businessman, Twitter master, activist, and political strategist, Bill Lambert. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, Rory? Uh, doing well, man. Great to have you here. I also want to welcome uh, doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and Commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm fantastic. Great to be back on your show, Rory. Yeah, I love having you in here, sir. I love having you. Um, I also want to welcome to the show a founder of Republicans United and, and founder of College Republicans United and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeiper. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fine, Rory. I'm glad to be here as always. Great to have you back, buddy. Uh, I also want to welcome to the show tw- popular talk show host, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, and best-selling author, Daryl Kane. How are you, buddy? I'm good, brother. Good to hear your voice. Daryl Kane, 2024.com. Back over to you, brother. Absolutely, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. Um, you know, there's a lot to get into tonight, obviously. Uh, I want to start with um, A.G. Barr. Obviously, if anybody watched these uh, hearings today, what a complete interrogation and hostile attacks constantly from the left. I mean, we saw them go after Mnuchin. We saw them go after Barr. Are heartless. These people have no proper ethics. They are disgusting human beings, the left, and they're out for blood. I mean, they are out for what, what – they don't even care if, if – they, they don't care if stuff is true. They just want to bury people. They want to destroy people. They don't care about real justice. It's, it's all about their playbook and their agenda. And anybody watching this today uh, knows what I'm talking about. I mean, this was not a fair hearing whatsoever. Uh, obviously, uh, Barr announced that he will – uh, release the report uh, within a week or so. So we will be seeing that. Uh, that's according to what he said today. And, and also, 
uh, you know, just various things. I, w- I want to, uh, to play the president's uh, thoughts to this. He, they spoke to him right after uh, Barr, Barr's hearing, and uh, he had a lot to say. Uh, one five. Weird, it's not playing. Weird. I got to see what the problem is here. Um, Dr. Branch, did you watch it today? Oh, Rory, I, I I I read a lot of the transcripts of what was going on as it was going on. I was sitting teaching residency today. Um, I was amazed by looking at the reports coming in, how biased they were against Barr. I mean, you're right. There is no there is no ethic going on here. There is no. Uh, you know, Barr has served this country well for an awful long time. It's along the lines of, you know, you're, you're basically a liar. You're, you're, you're doing this for Trump. You're Trump's person. And to me, that's just unacceptable. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, uh, Bill, Bill, go ahead. Yeah, it, it, well, it's it's not a hearing. That, that was an oversight or, or an interrogation. That's all. It's political theater, you know, that it, to promote an agenda. That's that's all they were doing, they, they, and they that was just all for the public. They attacked that man's integrity, his credentials, and it, it had nothing to do with facts. It had nothing to do with with trying to find out the truth. It had everything to do with destroying Trump and anybody that's associated with Trump, and and he's just the next victim of, of their abuse. Yeah, yeah, it is one of those things where uh, it's it's it, it's crazy. It really is because you it, know it didn't the look way like they kind of government stuff. anything. Yeah, it right, didn't look like ahead. any kind of government anything to me. It didn't look like it. It didn't look like any hearing that I've I've seen. I it didn't. I couldn't see where they were trying to find any re- realities or truths or or had pertinent questions. Or, or anything that was to be in a, in a discovery-like manner. It was just about making speeches and and demonizing people and vilifying people and to enrage the public and to keep that motivation for their base. That was all I saw. Yeah, and I want to. I got the clip now of the president uh, talking about uh, the out, after the hearing today, uh, just in regards to it. Uh, here we go. She was really impressed, so thank you very much. Just to be cleaning house at DHS, what would you like to keep? Well, I never said I'm cleaning house. I don't know who came up with that expression. We have a lot of great people over there. We have bad laws. We have a judge who just ruled incredibly uh, that he doesn't want people staying in Mexico. Uh, Figure that one out. Uh, Nobody can believe these decisions we're getting from the Ninth Circuit. It's a disgrace. And so we, we're fighting the bad laws, the bad, bad things that are coming out of Congress. You have a Democrat Congress that's obstructing. You talk about obstruction, the greatest obstruction anyone's ever seen. All they have to do is spend 20 minutes and they can fix this whole problem. We have the worst laws of any country anywhere in the world, whether it's catch and release or, or any one of them. I mean, I could, name, I could sit here and name them, but if you, did, if you got rid of catch and release, chain migration, uh, visa lotteries, uh, you have to fix the asylum situation. This is ridiculous. You have people coming in claiming asylum. They're all reading exactly what the lawyer gives them. 
have a piece of paper. Read what that is, and all of a sudden you're entitled to asylum. And some of these people are not people you want in our country. So we are uh, building a lot of walls. It's getting built. Some of you saw that last week when we went. Uh, we had a great presentation of a new stretch, but we're building a lot of walls, and we're very, being very strong on the border. But we're bucking a court system that never, ever rules for us, and we're bucking really bad things with Congress, with the Democrats in Congress not willing to act. They want to have open borders, which means they want to have crime, they want to have drugs pouring into our country. They don't want to act. We have to close up the borders. We're doing it, but we're doing it, I could do it much faster if they would act. So it's, it's a terrible thing. The Democrats in Congress, what they're doing and the obstruction, they don't want to fix it. And... We have to fix it. They want open borders. They want to have millions of people pouring into our country. We, we, they don't even want to know who they are. These are people coming into our country with criminal records. We have murderers coming in. We have drug lords coming in. We have gangs coming in. And we're stopping them. And if we don't stop them, ICE is throwing them the hell out. We're getting them out. But our job could be so much easier. I think Kevin is going to do a fantastic job. He's acting, but... I think he's going to do a fantastic job. And we're not doing anything uh, very big uh, as far as uh, what we need, homeland security. That's exactly what we want. There's no better term. There's no better name. We want homeland security, and that's what we're going to get. Thank you all very much. Thank you.
God, they keep talking to him. They keep asking him questions. Oh, All righty. So, you know, this, I, they didn't – obviously he didn't uh, talk about anything about the hearing in that clip. For some reason I thought that clip was going to have him speaking on that. But he brought up another good point that we're going to get to uh, in a little bit here in the show that I want to bring up some of the points you just talked about in the clip. But I do want to get Kevin's thoughts just about the hearing. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Oh, yes. Uh, Phil's insight was absolutely correct and uh, exactly what I wanted to say. But uh, ultimately, this whole hearing is absolute theater. It's a distraction. It's on TV, and everyone's watching it, but they're not watching everything else that's going on. And to be honest, I don't think I could be much more angry at Trump right now because now that Kristen Nielsen has stepped down from – uh, as Secretary of Homeland Security, Trump himself had named Kevin McAllian as the, the new temporary rep- – and he says this guy's going to do such a great job, such a great job. Uh, well, no, not he's not going to do a great job. He was literally the author of Barack Obama's catch and release program at the U.S. border. Uh, this, this guy is the reason why we're in this mess, and Trump says he's going to do a great job. No, there's, there's, it's impossible, and you, you got to really think about it that – I don't see how he wouldn't just place someone in there that has a history of uh, protecting our borders. And instead, Trump uh, knocks down Barack Obama's um, detaining children at the, at the border, like, like he just said. Instead, now we have a tr- uh, chain migration issue at our border. So anyone that comes in with a child, they will not get separated, and they just keep coming and they keep coming. I mean, this is much worse than even Obama um, – policies i I'm, I'm curious rory yeah i mean this is you know and i i've been saying this for a long time and and, I, and a lot of people agree with me and i think pretty much everybody on the call will agree with me my my good friend joe arpaio needs to run homeland security i mean he's the he's the closest thing to trump personality wise and toughness wise and, and he knows everything about the border i mean this this is what he's done his whole life and, you know, the only problem in a, in a certain way would be the confirmation process because, you know, the Dems would just hammer him. They would just – they would treat him worse than Kavanaugh, most likely. Um, but, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, we need somebody really tough at the border. I mean, we need somebody running Homeland Security that knows the system. You know, nobody knows it like Joe. What do what you think? Absolutely. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I want to get um, Mike Peters from New York. I'm going to get your thoughts, and then I'm going to go to Daryl. Mike, go ahead. Hi. Um, as again, uh, you're catching me at a disadvantage here because I'm coming in late, but about the chain migration, I mean, the, the intent of it originally was really great, but it's been abused now. And once, so the, you know how the federal government is, once something in their eyes is abused, that's it. They want to they don't have a way to fix it, so the easiest thing to do is get rid of it. At this point, that's all we can do because it's being abused. You know, that's what yeah. I think about it. Yeah, and we, 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 we kinda, we're talking about the hearing as well. What did you think of the hearing today? I mean, I, I watched it, and it was just out of control. I, I missed the hearing because I was at work, so I didn't get to, I didn't get to see it. So, yeah, from what I'm hearing, from whatever what people are saying, uh, it's doesn't sound like it was pretty. Yeah, uh, Daryl, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to you in a second. But uh, Dr. Branch, what do you think about Arpaio running Homeland Security? 
Well, you know, I, I, I love the sheriff. You know he's a good friend, and, you know, uh, I, I think his ideologies, uh, you know, fit extremely well with the president's. And I think yeah. that he'd tell the people the truth. You know, right now how yeah. we hear this reported. We heard reported yeah. in March 109,000 yeah. family units. Yeah. 109,000 family units. And to me, that is yeah. masking the truth. The truth, yeah. how big is that family unit? Is it three? So that's almost 600,000 people. Is that four? You know, how many is in a family unit? What we do know is ICE is dumping them on our streets every yeah. single day. Tens of thousands are coming in. And welcome Arizona and Texas, because you just got yeah. you know 500,000 new people to your streets in March. And what is that going to do now, uh, yeah. you know, in, in especially when the Dems want them to vote legally, they want to give them mm-hmm. license, what is that going yeah. to do? I, and to me, yeah. you know, I, I you know I, I somewhat disagree with Kevin, um, not not for the uh, the nod uh, to the individual because I agree with Kevin on that. However, um, you know, my thought is, you know, Trump needs to get somebody in there solid. He's trying to make mm-hmm. good of a bad situation that's happening now. Lori, six hundred thousand people. 600,000 people. As soon as you show up to the border with a with a child, yeah. they're letting yeah. you in. Yeah. That's not and it, You know, it's on track this year, if we don't put a stop to it, to be over a million people coming in illegally. It, 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 I mean, it's insane to me. It's insane, and I know it's insane to President Trump. You know, President Trump deemed yeah. it right. We have a national emergency, and we have to treat it as such. So, yeah, but you know, I, I do love Sheriff Joe. Sheriff Joe's a good friend, and uh, to me, when he was sheriff of Maricopa County, he did it right. He was arresting yeah. illegal aliens. Yep. Then he was saying, "Okay, now you have an arrest record. Send you back. Yeah. You'll never be allowed back in." Right. Yeah. I mean, we need we need that. We we need somebody we need like talk. Ohio. Yeah, and here here's the problem with people like Nielsen. People like Nielsen are a part of the establishment. They're a part of the swamp. They're a part of this. They're a part of this political system. You know, they're they're not they're not giving us the truth. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or they're not tough. Or exactly. they're not tough enough. They're not tough enough. They're not tough enough. Yeah. But the thing is, is on the left, you know, they don't want they don't want to be tough enough. That does not right. fit into their agenda. What fits into their agenda is bringing hundreds of thousands of people in a month into yeah. our communities. Now, look, red states, right, Texas and Arizona, yeah. dump them in there. Yeah. And to me, that's yeah. absolutely wrong. When we, when we enacted SB 1070 uh, in this state of Arizona, now that, uh, you know, that enforced federal law, when we did that, yeah. you've seen illegal aliens flee this state. You know, yeah. we just need to start enforcing these laws. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's one of those things that we we have to put a stop to, and we have to get an out we have to get an outsider like Arpaio to come in there and run Homeland Security. You know, uh, it, it it has to be that we have to. Um, Daryl, go ahead. 
Yeah, so, you know, again, I think that the president's tone and tenor is very good, but I also agree that the appointment of um, McElhaney is very disturbing. Um, I think that anybody that was picked by Barack Obama, uh, just just fundamentally on that basis, as Kevin so astutely pointed out, is, is fundamentally disqualified. And, and it has to make again, us wonder, Daryl, real quick, it has to make us wonder who's whispering in Trump's ear. Because I don't think yeah, Trump is making these decisions. Yeah, I mean, he's made – look, I mean, he's made a variety of appointments throughout his administration that are certainly questionable to his base. Uh, and I think that you have to recognize that Barack Obama isn't just somewhat different. He actually represents a worldview that is exactly 180 degrees uh, you know, opposed to our own. We talk about this every night. They're trying to do the exact opposite of what the country is. So you have to understand that everybody that he picked starts with a worldview that is completely thoroughly inverted. So, so that would disqualify anyone. Um, so that is concerning. Again, the tone is good. Um, child separation, this is a really good point that came up as well. Uh, this is also a little bit disappointing that he backed down on that. The reality is, is that when you commit a crime and the police come and take you away, if you have children, you get separated from your children. That's, that's the reality, okay? This yeah. is no different from any other crime, and this is how we talk about a properly ordered perspective and a properly ordered reality and how the left has just everything completely inverted to where we're starting from, um, you know, we don't want children being raised by criminals to be separated from their parents, and we use that to justify allowing the crimes to continue. And, and frankly, I do have to say I was sort of, this has been something that has been concerning me for a little while. I don't, I don't want to uh, criticize the first lady, who I think is, uh, you know, a very graceful woman. But I think that the media certainly used used her a little bit, and they they sort of a, appeal to her uh, her maternal instincts. To you know, when she was down there on the border, and they got her talking about you know, separating children from their parents, and, and that somehow made its way over to Trump, and that became policy, and that was a little bit disappointing when that happened. So, I mean, I agree with you that Arpaio would be a fantastic choice. I think uh, Sheriff David Clark is another guy that I think would be really good at it, and, and probably a ton of other people that, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm not aware of, but, but I think that the, the appointment to pick anybody from the Obama administration, again, is deeply concerning. Now, we hope the results will be a little bit better with the leadership from the top, but uh, it, does, it is a little bit of a, a pause for concern. And, you know, what I would say is that I think that the president's words are clearly heartfelt, and I think that you can tell that his heart is in the right place. So, you know, I would call on, on your guests and your audience to, uh, you know, to pray for the president in a very earnest manner and, and pray, pray that, you know, that God continue to work through him and, and try to provide the, the leadership that's necessary to get us through this, this very real crisis that we're dealing with. And in, in terms of the uh, you know, the hearings with Barr, I mean, absolutely. This is completely disgraceful. And you see, this is why Jeff Sessions recused himself and the people are terrified of this. And, and this goes back to the point, which I'm sure we'll end up at tonight, that we are in a nonviolent civil war. And the left, mm -hmm. you know, is basically constantly in a mode of they're throwing the kitchen sink at us. So whatever the scenario is, they're going to do anything that they possibly can uh, you know, to leverage their inherent advantages. And it's a tough situation. I mean, wh what we can all talk about how wrong this is, and we can all play armchair quarterback, but Trump says it right there. We've got bad laws, we've got activist judges, and we have a media that's complicit in the cover-up. So, uh, you know, as much as I do have some concerns, I also want to 
step back and say that, you know, we're not sitting in that seat. And we, and, you know, we, I think that we all are in agreement that he's, he's doing, that he is trying his best for us. But again, just to reiterate the point that, that Kevin brought up, definitely cause for concern in, in the recent events. Yeah. Yeah. And let, let's make no mistake, everybody. I, I do got to get to our guests, but I just want to say that, you know, President Trump is absolutely right. Obama did did uh, totally, uh, you know, start start this 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 children in cages. They're they're trying to blame Trump for it, uh, and you heard Trump there. I mean, it, that Obama did start this, and you know, they they didn't make a big deal out of it when Obama was doing it. But Trump is Trump is the enemy. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It, it's so such a double standard, guys. Um, I do. I do want to take I do want to take a quick commercial, and we're going to be right back uh, with our guest here in a, in a, in a second. Um, I want to get Bill's final final thoughts. Bill, thirty seconds, and then I got to go to thirty second commercial. Um, hold on a second, I got to take you off mute. Bill, go ahead. Um, we're focused on the cross. And that's not who we focus on. We have the laws in place not to go to the businesses that are employing these people and, and finding them through the ass and saying, every day we're going to have ICE people here, and we're not going to take anybody illegal out of the country. We're not going to deport anybody. We're coming to you, employer, and for every employee that shows up that's illegal here, we're going to fine you $5,000 a day. And if we put you out of business, we put you out of business. But it's going to stop here. If you want to sour the pup from nursing, you got to sour the milk. Absolutely. Great. Uh, we're going to go to a quick – very well said. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. Where can you find a burger inspired by flavors from near and far that mixes the smoky – with the sass of the South. Combines the sweetness of summer with the tang of the country. For savory, sizzling, unexpected flavors. Well, you can find it at McDonald's. The new Bacon Smokehouse Burger. It's the newest flavor of the signature crafted recipes by McDonald's. All righty, we are back. This is the Rory Sauter Show. Listen to in 22 different countries on over 60 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our new media site, thenexgenusa.com. I do want to welcome our very special guest uh, tonight, a motivational speaker, activist, columnist, political strategist, commentator, and best-selling author, Clarence Mason Weaver. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. I am great. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's your first time on the show, Clarence. So what I want to do is I kind of want to ask about your background, you know, the chapters in your life, the the achievements, the success, how it all started for you. Man, I'm 69 years old. It'll be a very long story. Uh, But I, I grew up in Missouri. I left and joined the Navy the same day Dr. King was murdered. Uh, 51 years ago last, a couple of weeks ago. And when I went to the Navy, I was injured uh, in the service. Long story short, a racist white man tried to kill me and, and did succeed, but I did become permanently disabled. And I became very angry at all white people. It was the last of many, many incidents with uh, white folks, but not, not really many, just enough to make me conscious about it. And so I went to, went to the Bay Area and started college at a little small junior college called Merritt College, I happened to be the founding captor of the Black Panther Party, 
and I was taught sociology by Melvin Newton, the older brother of Huey Newton, and they noticed that I had a strong voice and I had a, uh, a the, the charisma to get folks to follow me, so I was used a lot in that purpose. I went to Berkeley and UC Berkeley and started the um, work with the Black Student Union. I was very militant. I took Swahili. I had an attitude. I did not like white people. Uh, the school had 35,000 white students to this day. I do not know any of their names. Uh, then I uh, graduated from Berkeley, got a job with the Department of Energy as a, as a negotiator, uh, started my own company after that, after about eight years, and met my lovely wife. I've uh, been married 35 years, and now we're down in, in uh, Missouri raising grandkids. But I've always been politically active. I ran for Congress. I ran for a state rep in Missouri. I was in uh, California. And now I'm an author of uh, seven books. The last one was that's coming out in a few months is Why the Democrat Party Hates America. Wow. Yeah. Well, keep keep going. I'm loving everything you're saying. Well, I can I can talk two hours about it, but you know, basic concept. I heard part of your show before I came on, and and you know, we get very frustrated when we deal with liberals. The reason we get frustrated is that we think they want the same thing we want, but don't understand that what they're doing doesn't work. So we try to correct their thinking. We say, well, don't you know, this is going to bring more poverty. This is going to be more chaos. This is going to be more disaster. They want disaster. They breed. They grow. They multiply in disaster. Look at the black community, the poor black community. The poorer they are, the more loyal they are to Democrats. The Democrats will tell you, I'm the party of the poor. They will tell you they're the party for the poor. That means they want poverty. They manage misery. So let's stop trying to convince them and recognize they do not want what we want. If you want a prosperous nation, a free nation, you have to be against the Democrat Party. If you want prosperity and a strong middle class, you have to be. You cannot compromise with Democrats. Our job is to dominate them and get them out of our way and never, ever, ever let them get to the, to the seat of power. They're the party of slavery, the party of women's suffrage, the, the party of the black codes, the lynchings. It was the party that was against civil rights. They are against everything that we believe in as a country, and we should never consider them just a loyal opposition. They are your enemies. Yeah, yeah. But, but, no, and, I mean, I tell, tell me about – so tell me about your – you know, you're, you're a motivational speaker. You know, you're, you're, you're very involved – uh, with the, with the political scene, in a sense. I mean, I know you're a big Trump fan, uh, just like me, um, and and you're a conservative t- in t- today. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, though. Your books and just your political uh, career and your motivational speaking. Well, the first book came out in 1996. Uh, during the Clarence Thomas hearings a few years earlier than that, uh, I thought I was the only black conservative in America. I hosted a a call-in radio show in San Diego. And I found out that there are many black people that are conservative, and I began to speak out on the issues that I saw. I was just coming out of the liberal Democrat establishment. I worked for George Miller and Pete Stark. And I, I recognized that the, I was fascinated by the idea of politics because I want to learn how someone can get another person to actively participate in their own destruction. That's what I saw in the black community. Uh, I started working against that and speaking about that. The first book was called It's Okay to Leave the Plantation because black people were trying to be more comfortable on the plantation. And now white liberals are trying to be comfortable on the plantation. I'm saying, no, destroy the plantation and move on. 
Uh, and so I've been writing books since then. I've got several books out now. Uh, but I'm, I just want Americans to understand our freedom will not come from making friends with Germany and Nazis or Japan and, and, and the emperor. Our freedom comes from defending our culture. We have an American Western culture. It is not white privilege, there's an American privilege. We better start recognizing that because we're going to lose our privilege as Americans if we continue to identify ourselves by our race, gender, income, or what coast we live on. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and and I've, I've always said with, with the Democratic Party today, you know, it's all it's it's the same it's the same sort of thing as the slavery days except obviously it's a little more subtle they don't have them literally on chains but they have them with government control it's pretty much same no party. different I mean it's you know what I mean same, same party same philosophy same spirit all the every proposal Democrats have everything they bring up requires more control of your life there is nothing from health care to education, nothing, taxing, taxing the rich. That means taxing the jobs, folks. And everything they propose creates a slave-master relationship with you. So people need to understand. Right now, we think that we're trying to debate socialism. We're trying to debate socialism. We have enough history not to have to debate socialism. They want socialism because they want the control. They know it's miserable. They, they see Venezuela. They see Cuba. They see the failures of it. But they also see the, the, the high, uh, rich, upper class, and very, very poor. So ask yourself a question. What is it about socialism that increases the middle class? What is it about socialism that increases the productivity of the middle class? Socialism eliminates the middle class. And Democrats want to eliminate the middle class. They tax you. They regulate you. They control your children. They control the media. They are trying to eliminate. They are, we are the... We're the wall. We're the firewall against them. Black people, 75% of black people live above poverty. That's why Trump did so well last time and going to do better this time. We built an organization to bring black people and poor and liberal people out of captivity. We're going to vote and support Trump, not because we like Trump, but because Trump supports things that we want in this country. We want to be the strongest nation on the planet unapologetically. We want to control our income. We want to leave something for our grandkids. We do not want to be taxed to death. You know, everything we do in this country, every day, everything we do requires government permission, fee, tax, or authority. There's nothing you do tomorrow. When you wake up in your bed under those government-approved sheets for fire resistance and put gas in your car regulated by, regulated by the government, everything you do requires the government's participation. You are a self-governing people. There should be one thing you do tomorrow that doesn't involve your government. We're slaves now. Yeah, and you know, he, you know, we look at we look at the black community, and especially the the the, the blacks that vote liberal, the, the the epidemic lately of the race card, of the taking no responsibility, playing the victim stance. You know, an example like Jesse Smollett, but I mean that's one of many examples. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you how do you view this whole thing? I mean, has society become this weak and this much of? I mean, obviously we know it's become this much of a of a victimhood mentality, but I mean, it's just like, did you ever see this happening years ago that we would end up in a, in a situation like this? Well, you, you know, we have to first understand something. We, we know that we're being manipulated and our thoughts are being maneuvered. 
I want everybody to realize something. When you go to work tomorrow, you get on the freeway, you got black folks next to you, you go to work, you work with black folks in the building, you go get your gas, go to the restaurants. We see black and white people together all day long. There's no racial tension. But you come home and you turn on a little black box on your wall, and that little black box tells you that we hate each other and we fight each other and we're protesting and we're angry and, and we're frustrated. But your own eyes tell you that most of us get along pretty well. It's a lie. I, I live in a county of only 1.7% black folks in the whole county, and I'm walking here all day long. I do not see what I see on TV. They are lying to you. And, and the black vote, the 90% vote for Democrats. How do they know? When you go to the polls, do they know your color? Are you registered as a black, white voter? No. They're counting the inner city Democrat voters. They're not counting this. They're not, they don't count me. When I go to the polls, I'm the only black person in the polling booth. So I don't see them mark down black voter. And they sure do not, cannot tell who I vote for. It's a myth. Black people are conservative in our religious beliefs, our family beliefs, but the statistics in those inner city Democrat hell holes that we see ourselves in, the Democratic Party controls every ghetto in America, everyone, and they're worse off because of that control. Every enclave of Democrat control in this country is miserable and poverty. That's what they love. Look at San Francisco, the best city in California 20 years ago. They have apps now to tell you where the features are on the streets. Democrat control. That's your future, America. If you do not recognize them as your enemy, it's time to leave the plantation, which is the name of our organization, leadtheplantation.org. We're gathering the troops together to first support those that are coming off the plantation, but also to invite those who are tired of being beaten, tired of being slaves, tired of being used to leave. Don't try to change it. Burn it down and walk away. The plantation is your problem. I'll, I'll tell you what really bothers me. You know, every, when people try to say Trump's a racist, you know, we have so many people uh, on the left, you know, saying that, you know, different minorities. It's because the politicians brainwash them and put on the left and put all this stuff in their head, and they hear a couple sentences on CNN or MSNBC, and immediately they start believing it, that Trump's a racist. But look at black unemployment at the lowest it's ever been. Look at um, food stamp enrollment at the lowest it's ever been. Look at what he's done for the black community. Nobody else has ever has even come close to doing this much for the black community. And and yeah, you know but, you know what you know what bothers me is that, that? you know so many pe- so many so many black people praise Obama still today and love him, but they don't understand facts that Obama gave you know we had the highest poverty rate in the black community when he was in office. Some of the highest food stamp numbers. I mean, it was really bad. See, see, if you if you think that they really, really believe that, then explain to me why Trump got double the votes for Republicans than happened under Obama's presidency. It's, it's Black true. People he got double yeah, the vote because we know we, we we don't believe that Trump is a racist. Even the people saying it don't believe it. When they accuse him of that, trust me. Jesse Jackson did not believe he was a racist who was getting money from him in the 1970s and 80s. When you got Al Sharpton taking pictures with him or, or, or um, Hillary Clinton taking photos with him and using his money for her, at her wedding, did not think he was a racist. He became a racist because he became a Republican. So no one believes it. But when they say racist, when they use the word racist, we stop and we start defending ourselves. 
we stop discussing the facts. We stop discussing the issue. We start discussing whether or not he's a racist. Guess what? I found out that Donald Trump was a racist. The other day I came back from the airport and I got some gas in my car. Gas under under Obama was was almost four bucks a gallon. And yeah. I started got gas. I paid a dollar and eighty nine cents. And the white wow. boy at the next pump over for me. The white boy, guess what he paid? I paid a dollar eighty nine cents. He paid a dollar eighty nine cents. The same I mean, black. He put Donald that racist Donald Trump put black folks to work. That's slavery. We're not slaves anymore. Why he got us working? We we don't work. We hustle. So why why did he, that racist Donald Trump? has increased black-owned businesses 450%. What a racist. Now you got black men owning businesses now. And on top of that, that racist dog, on top of that, he did a prison reform bill that let black prisoners get out and go join their families. What kind of dog is that? You know what I discovered? I discovered that if Donald Trump was a racist, we probably need to find some more racists like him, too, to work with. <laughs> yeah, I, it's true. It's true. Uh, let, let me ask you this, and, and I know I know some of my co-hosts, you know, have questions and, and have some thoughts, but I want to ask you, what made you leave the Black Panther Party and leave the whole socialism ideology? What was your wake-up call? Well, first, I was never a socialist. I, I thought it was odd. Uh, I went to Vietnam before I went to Berkeley, and the Black Panther Party in those days had a righteous cause. I mean, the cops were out of control in Oakland. The cops did a drive-by of our headquarters. I mean, they, they drove by and got out the car and unloaded the 45s on the headquarters. And they drove around the block again and came back, figured it wasn't enough, and got out their cars again and shot up our headquarters. We started patrolling before I joined it. We, they they started, started patrolling the black neighborhoods, following the police cars with guns, back with us, not against a lot of carrier guns. Uh, in Oakland, you could not find a prostitute. In Oakland, you cannot find a drug dealer on the corner. We patrol the neighborhoods for safety. And then what happened, they start, we started getting those federal grants. Those little brothers, prison thugs and ex-prison thugs and, and gang members, they, they got that, that million-and-a-half-dollar food program. And then they got the $2 million uh, self-help program. And all that money tore the party apart. The party became thuggish. The party started going into uh, neighborhood small businesses to collect insurance so they won't get burned down. You know what I mean? They started talking about other um, avenues of the Port of Oakland, what they could and could not bring in. And they became a little corrupt. I left the Black Panther Party because, not because of that, though. I left because I was fighting for the civil rights. There is the legal rights. I didn't care if white folks didn't like me or they didn't like me living next door to them, didn't move. I, I was fighting for the right to live where the heck I want to live whether you like me or not. And once we won the civil rights, once we removed the legal barriers for me to go into business or own a home, I went into business, I brought a home, and I started making my money. I, I, I achieved what I was fighting for, the right to put my brain against your brain and earn what we could earn, because together we will both make society better off. So I left the whole idea when I became a, you know, I was always a capitalist. I mean, I was going to Berkeley. I'm forgetting I'm disabled. I could not work. I had a choice, welfare or find a way to make money come to me. I went to Berkeley to learn how to earn. And when I graduated from Berkeley in two and a half years, I went out and started earning money. And so that's why I left the party. The party, you know, the party changed, but also the environment, economic environment changed. I was able to make some money. 
and I, I retired at, at, at 31 years old. I've been making money ever since. Now I have no job, just income. Very, very nice. Um, well said. Very well said. And, you know, what, what do you, you know, do you think part of the reason uh, there's so much violence in, in the black community is because of the, the lack of fathership? I mean, in 2018, 70% of, of black Americans grew up without a father. I mean, do you think that definitely plays a, a strong factor into it? It's a very strong factor into it. It's, uh, it's amazing how if you put your kids in inner city schools, and you allow the, the woman to be like that man, the government becomes the father, and the government becomes the master, and that black man, the, the ego of that black man is such that, or any man, is such that he becomes justified in his mind to be violent because the white man got all the power. The white man, have all, they won't let you get a job, and, and, and they won't let you do this. So you, you can't support the woman because you don't have any money, so your ego also puts her down. You call her names. You, you, she becomes unworthy of your of your protection. So now the neighborhood is wide open, and you got black men around the streets doing what they want to do. They, they, I mean, they're courageous men. The black gang members are courageous men. They're just misguided. That, that's why you find cops are usually married, and gangbangers are usually single. And a single man cannot protect his neighborhood. A single man cannot protect his even become a community because see, if you and I are next door neighbors. We both married and got kids and a wife at home. I can depend on you when I'm out of town to, to, to protect my wife and stop having some neighborhood. And you can depend on me. That's, that's called a strong neighborhood with strong men standing shoulder to shoulder. In the gangs, you don't protect the neighborhoods. You don't worry about the next-door neighbor. And so your neighborhood gets torn apart. There is no cohesion. There's no direction. And you have Pookie and Ray Ray and the gang of fools. Yeah. Yeah, very, no, I, I agree. I hear you. Very well said. I want to go to uh, uh, Dr. Branch. Go ahead, Dr. Branch. First of all, it's an honor to speak to your guest tonight. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I say. Rory, you, you have some outstanding guests on here. And, you know, I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Um, you know, I, I look at the fact that during the Civil War, we had two presidents, the president of yep. the United States and president of the South. One was a Republican, one was a Democrat. At the end of the Civil War, the, the African-American population, the black population per, uh, uh, per capita was much larger than it is today. There has been a concerted effort in that party, not, not uh, in the Democrat Party. And, I mean, that's, you know, everything that you're saying now, I, I, I'm, I'm an older gentleman too, sir, <laughs> and I remember the 60s, and I remember yes, – Many of the civil rights leaders saying exactly what you were saying back in the 60s about family, right? I remember Malcolm X telling people in the African-American community that the family has to be strong. I remember Martin Luther King Jr. saying the exact same thing. However, we've been putting Planned Parenthoods and all that in that community. We have been yep. destroying. We have been doing a genocide in that community and to me you know nothing but to destroy we've taken church out of school and as you said the african-american community the black community church is huge i'm a college professor i teach residencies at the doctoral level and today uh, in my class uh, was was a substantial amount of african-americans 
Mm. And the thing is, is they, they, they see it exactly the way you do. You know, there's no hate. The only hate is on TV with people Amen. telling us that you, you have go. to hate. There we sit here and, you know, I said, who here aligns themselves as a minority? Now, I'm an older gentleman, so I'm allowed to raise my hand. But the thing <laughs> is, I tell them, I said, but look around. Everyone is raising their hand in this room. Wow. If everyone is raising their hand in this room and you're at the doctoral level, you have two, three, four college degrees, then why can't we fight this? Why can't we, you know, rise up and say, listen, you know, Martin Luther King was right. You know, Martin Luther King was right, you know, in his, uh, you know, in his uh, dream speech. We have the right right now to say, listen, let's judge people by who they are, by the content of the person, because each and every one of you are outstanding individuals. And to me, listening to you, you know, and I, you know, and your story is so inspiring. And I wish every child, every child, no matter what race, heard it, because it's absolutely correct. You know, I don't hang around. I, I'm, I'm not a person of hate at all. And when I hear this, and, and it's, it's really offensive to me, because now the African-American population is less, is less than the immigrant population now. And I mean, you know, 400 yeah. years. And yeah. how is that even possible? It's possible because, you know, we have been setting up Planned Parenthood in your neighborhoods to kill you. And to me, that is absolutely wrong. We need to embrace the family. We need to bring back the father. We need to bring back the mother. We need to stop degrading people in music. We need to let people know that you want true love in that. Just go out and look at your neighbor. Your neighbor doesn't hate you. And, 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 and we have to have people like you to inspire because if, 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 if we're going to make life matter, we have to make life truly matter by saying, listen, you know, we're one. We're Americans. And, and we have to form and bond under Americans. But that party that on the left is destroying America. Like you said, they are an enemy now. They don't want what we want. I, 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 I hear you, you know, and, and to me, listening to you, sir, it, it's, it's inspiring. And I wish you had, you know, uh, as loud as voices could possibly be, because you're saying it absolutely the way that it is, the way that we've observed it. I mean, just go back. Like I said, you had two presidents. You had a Republican president and you had a Democrat president. One was in charge of the United States. One was in charge of the South. And to me, we need to embrace that. We need to embrace each other. We need to give you a loud voice because you're absolutely right. And it's been inspirational listening to you. It it takes, brother, you, you got the background and the instincts, and congratulations for going into that college and showing them an example of manhood. It's going to take men. If the black community needs to be re, you know, responsible, it's going to take responsible black men because we are the problem and we are the solution. Uh, it's, it's not going to take programs. It's not going to take affirmative action. That's why we're forming an organization called LeaveThePlantation.org. And I want to invite you to get in touch with us, and maybe we can use some of your wisdom. And, and to, we're trying to form a, a, play, a safe place for people to come when they're ready to leave where they are. 
They're going to lose their friends, their family, their loved ones. But freedom is an individual journey. The fight for freedom is a group journey. But once freedom is won, your choice and what you do in that is yours. When I got injured by that white guy, that white guy looked me in the eye. The look on his face, when I saw the look on his face, I knew what he had planned. And I turned to run. He, he pushed 2,800 pounds of steel on me and crushed me into mm. another steel wall. And I, I screamed, and my eyes were shut, and I opened my eyes up, and I saw that look on his face, pure hatred. I have been to Vietnam, mm. buddy. I'm, I have never seen a man look at another man that way. And that look on his face, I, I stopped screaming. You're not going to watch me die screaming at you. I just stared at him out of anger. My anger, my, All of my spirit changed from a loving spirit to an evil spirit. I hated everybody that looked like him. I hated everybody mm. white in this country. And even though I was rescued by eight white guys, even though my doctor was white, my nurse was white, my physical therapist was white, even though my professor at school was white, I hated America. I thought America hated me. Well, not America, but, but, but white folks. And it took, it took me becoming a man. It took me saying to myself, I don't care who's against me. I don't care who looks just like me. I don't care what they owe me. I'm going to earn more than they will ever give me. And I took it over myself, just for, not because I hate white folks, but because I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my grandkids, I love my culture. And I started working to provide for my family a legacy, an inheritance. And each man should do that no matter what. Who doesn't like you? I had a statement. No one's opinion of me means more to me than my opinion of me. I'm grown. I'm an American. So we have to start doing that as an organization. That's why I want to invite you to get a hold of my, my address. My email address is mason at leadtheplantation.org, brother. Let's, let's work together on this. I'll put, put you guys in contact, Mason. I'll give you his contact info, Dr. Branch. It would Thank be you, an sir. honor. It would be an honor. Yeah, of course. God bless you, my friend. Thank uh, you, sir. Kevin, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, yes, he absolutely presents some uh, great points about uh, community and family and just being one as a, a nation. That's very important. Um, and it's absolutely true that uh, Trump is not a racist towards blacks in, in any slightest regard. I mean, we have just tons and tons of examples of what he's done to support that community and, and raise them out of uh, poverty and, and other social uh, harm. And I would say that uh, one that really stands out to me that um, I would say that he's choosing, I would say, black uh, impoverished communities over uh, regular Americans would be the establishment of the uh, White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council. So this was an executive order, I'm sure you've all heard of it, where he had invested uh, $100 billion into what are called these opportunity zones. And so uh, he said it himself, uh, it's part of the plan that our tax cuts uh, went towards these incentives for uh, these big business, the private sector, and to uh, put their money towards hiring people from the most impoverished zones in America. We're talking Baltimore, Chicago, um, just the worst, uh, you know, areas. And essentially what's that, what's that doing is it's making, uh, it's subsidizing our, our labor industry. And so, I mean, I would say that this is a socialistic policy because, uh, why why would you hire someone that uh, you need a higher wage um, when you could you get public money for hiring people in these low class areas? 
And so it really is um, proving that Trump is not choosing the American. He's not choosing the regular, I would say, I'm not saying white American, but just, you know, people that are higher social class than the very bottom. He's choosing, you know, cheap labor over the regular American. And um, it's it's really discerning to me because, uh, sure, he's, he's helping out all these minority communities, but he's done, I don't think, anything particularly for, for white people. And I don't really care that so much that he's, um, you know, helping out these communities. That's, that's great. It's, it's really great. But he's not helping out the, you know, the Americans that have founded this country, and we're being replaced by uh, these. That's a very interesting you know, concept. Classes. So, so you don't think that Trump is helping out white Americans? Uh, not you, particularly. No. You, you uh, don't think that the you don't think that the West Virginia coal miners are being helped out, or the Ohio steel workers are being helped out? Um, oh, you, you don't well, think absolutely. that. The, Okay, so I'm just confused because, see, I don't think Trump is doing anything for any community. I think what Trump is doing is, is bringing economic opportunity to the country, cash flow. You know, uh, poor people call it cash flow. Uh, I'm sorry, poor people call it making dough, and rich people call it cash flow. Cash is flowing through the community now. Get yourself in position to get some of the cash that's flowing through. Donald Trump is not sending money to certain neighborhoods. He's sending money through the system, the economic capitalist system. Find you a niche and open your doors wide enough to let the money come to you. But the president, I, I, don't, I can't think of one social program that's ever worked. None. For white folks or black folks, it doesn't work. Social programs only enslave you because we are so a self-governing country. So why dollars subsidizing this, this industry. I mean, I'm, I'm a young person. I'm, I'm 23 years old, and you know, I came out of college and looking for a job, but I'm um, being, you know, well, look for a business, brother. Bro, bro, look for a business. I, I came well, out yeah. of out of college disabled. I could not work for five years, and I had to well, find a way to create income in five years. What do you want Trump to do for you? What do you want him to do, man? What create a job for? No, no, I, I would like a, a capitalistic environment. I, I wouldn't want our labor to be subsidized by the government. Uh, you know, the $100 billion from our tax cuts. Uh, I come from a high-income family anyway. But I, I, I got you. I, I got you. I don't like government subsidy either. But, but what is that? If you took that $100 billion away, how would that help you create money for yourself tomorrow? No, the tax cuts were an incentive for us well, to I got you. be able they, to have – See, a tax, you know, well, tax cut, you know, you, you, you get – Less of whatever you tax. So if you tax jobs, you get less jobs. If you tax income, you tax gas, you get people using less. So right, that's great. How, how can that's Trump help part. you earn income next week? Subsidizing the labor industry. Because how will help you earn income? How will that put income in your pocket? Right now, man, down the street from my house, make it down. Uh, 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 labor, sir. Walmart. I do, I do got to go to Mike Peters. Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead. I've got so much to say. First off, um, Mr. Mason, I, I don't know whether to call you Clarence or Mr. Mason or, or what. Either one, but I'm thank old, you so much. Uh, okay, as long as I don't call you Hiram, that, that's it. I got you. I got you straight. You, you're doing a great job. And uh, and I want to say another thing that my wife and I lived in California. We were there during the Rodney King riots, and we were in Granada Hills, Soma, over near San Fernando Road, up near. So we were at that yeah. far from where it happened. And one of my neighbors, well, a couple of my neighbors were black, and we're sitting there. Suddenly, so one of my neighbors in black, I'm white, we're watching the news. And I had, within an hour, I had three phone calls from relatives back here on the East Coast. 
asking me what's going on. Do we live close to any black families? Are we having any rape? Because the news was telling everybody back there that there were racial problems and black people were attacking white people and are we okay? And, and my neighbor and I are looking at each other like, you've got to be kidding me. That's not yeah. what we were seeing. And we were like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And the media had my relatives back here wound up from what they were watching on the news. And so my neighbor and I, we were joking about it. He said, am I supposed to chase you or should you chase me? How do we do this? We're going to get pictures of each other, beat on each other, put it in the media. And, and you know what it was? It came down to, yeah, rioting. And the media turned it in and saying it was racist. But these people were looking to get shit for free. They were looting and breaking into stuff. And yep. you think they cared or you think they even knew who Rodney King was? That shit. They didn't care about Rodney King. But the media turned it into that race bullshit. Same thing in Ferguson. So I, 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 I agree with you. Same thing. Same thing in Ferguson, brother. Yeah. It's a big lie. Those folks in Ferguson from out of town shipped in. With, they, had, yep. they had apps on their phone. These rioters yep. had apps on their phone. When you arrested yep. them, they pushed the app, and their lawyer beat the cops to the police station. Yep. It was organized crime. That's what that was. It's a game, and people don't the see game. the game. And, I mean, I realized it big time back then when I'm sitting there watching this and getting the phone calls. And, and, and it's unbelievable. And you're right, another thing about what you said about uh, Donald Trump, people look at it and say, well, he's not doing this to the rights. He's not taking the care of the people from uh, China. He's not taking care He's a businessman. He's looking at the overall business climate and what's good for America, and we benefit right. from that, all of us, collectively underneath it. First comes my, the country as, as a business. We're going to do best for his business. Brother. Absolutely right. We're going to yep. make America great because Americans are great. Yep. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter, black, white, Chinese. We benefit because matter. the com- the country does better. And, you you know, know, and you know, that comes first. I, I was now, now I sent you – yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I sent you a message through Facebook. I think I, I hope I found you. I hope I didn't find somebody else. But I sent you a message through there. Only one of me, my friend. <laughs> okay, I sent you an article from the archives of the New York Times, which I, I showed to Rory before. It was from the 1800s, right after the Civil War, and it's the original article that was in the New York Times. And if you could make use of that, because people sure don't will. know their history, so they think they're learning everything new, fresh. No, we've already been down this path. And it's if called uh, shotgun canvas. It's, it's it, the same it, they're doing in public schools now. They are teaching the yeah, opposite it is. of success. It, uh, it is. It's, it's amazing. Common core is ruined. It's criminal. Public it schools is. Are but, but, <laughs> but in that article, in that article, it shows the Democrats using shotguns to intimidate the black blacks from voting down south after the Civil War. And the articles in the New York Times, it's a, it's for real. And but nobody knows that this is lost knowledge. And yet they embrace the Democrats and everything and, and as if that this is the party we should belong to. No, they've manipulated. I don't yeah. care whether it's – if they could get something out of the Chinese uh, community, they would have done it without. If they could control the black community or the Italian community, or, it's all – But we're winning. It's, but we're winning. The, the yeah, lie on TV so. is that we're losing. We always yeah, – black but, folks are now 40% support Donald Trump now, my friend. That's yeah. unheard of. Un, and, and they're panicking because they're losing. That's why they're bringing in uh, illegals. They, they want new slaves. We'll walk up to this, but it's going to be—it's going to look like we're losing. They're going to tell you that we're angry, expects riots next year before the election next summer. That's what they do. They—they they want you to think that you're by yourself. And I'm here to tell you, my friend, we are all no. together. We understand yeah, the yeah. game. We understand yep, the game, my I friend. Agree. Don't don't be disheartened. We're going to win this. Leave the plantation. Ooh. Let's go home and get off this thing. Yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill, go ahead. 
So what was yeah, that? I think well, I think that, that Mr. Mason is living proof of what this country was built upon, and, and it's key to its success, and that's meritocracy. It, it's 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 about and the and what kept this this country stable and successful is exactly what he's talking about is the community. When I was 12 years old and I walked through town, if Mrs. Johnson caught me smoking a cigarette, she'd whip my ass just like my dad did. <laughs> and, and so, and then I would probably. And, Does that mean, and, Henry, bring up a little it, bit. It's cutting out a little bit. Yep. How's this any better? It's, and it's the family. Because, again, that, that solid unit is the core of everything and every essence in life. That's, that's your home, home base, and that's your But, my friend, your but friend, understand, 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 you're very logical and you're correct. That's why the Democrat Party hates family. They hate the black family. They hate your family. They cannot have a strong family because with a strong family, they cannot rule. So the first thing they will do is put your kids in game prep schools and teach them to hate your culture they, they take the black, they take the white man and the black man out of the family. Every TV program has the weak man. Every commercial, every show has the man being weak and the female being strong. They want you to think of yourself as a beta male because if you are alpha male, you will march on Washington D.C. You will march at a town hall meeting. You will act up to take your kids. They want to destroy the family. So let's stand up for men, stand up for families, and stand up for our own children. If not, we're going to lose it. Absolutely, we're going to lose it, and and it starts in the education. And what what you have, and I don't think a lot of people understand this, is that there are boards that decide what are in educational books. And if you look at an American history book from 1960 or 1970 compared to one to 2019, and the doctor can attest to this, it, it's a completely different history. They've not only changed yeah, absolutely, history, absolutely, absolutely different, absolutely. They've removed all morality of it. There but you is know, no, it they, doesn't start with education. It does not start. It starts with that man in that home with a female worth dying for and the children worth dying for. That man is not in the home. We can march on city hall and the school board all day long. But if men are in the home, how? I mean, in California, man, they, they're giving our children sex ed books that you can't even share on Facebook because of child pornography. You can't have and, that and with a man to, in the home. And, and you have to uh, – people have to come back to the understanding that there are ideals for genders. Uh, you know, in, in when I was raised, and, and I'm a little, older, a little older too, you know, my father taught me how to work and how to get up on time and how to be disciplined and how to, you know, and how to be successful in life, where my mother taught me how to love and she taught me passion and she taught me and she taught me understanding and listening. We and and what the you know we're 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 equals, but we we're counterparts too. And if you don't have that working dynamic, where where that solid and and complete uh, education to a child of not not four plus four is eight, but that you know like I went to private it's schools good. and yeah. and we had classes yeah. called humanities, you know, and humanities class was to teach you how to be a human being. And it taught you other things like balancing your checkbook and what a credit rating meant and all that. But it also said when your neighbor falls down, you go over and you pick him up. 
and if he's cut, you wipe his wounds off and you and you clean him up and you set him down and 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 that's lost and in, and and when you have and that's where we're seeing in this socialistic movement today is that we're seeing the first couple generations where these history has been changed. That's why they don't reject socialism, because they don't know the horrors of it from history, because they've changed the history. And well, we, we allow the socialists to teach our children now. They're in school. They're teaching socialism. They teach you know, that God is irrelevant. That, that's, that's the problem. We, we have to take control. It's going to take the family members to take control. My children were getting surveys at school. About the house, my household, and so I went went to school there. Walked past the office, walked past security, and opened my school room door of my classroom, my child's classroom, and said, "Come here, Mike. Come here. We're leaving out of here. I'm not, not going to allow you to teach my children against what I believe. This is the Mason household. It's the Mason gang. It's not. This is my culture, and it's the best culture this country, this planet has ever seen." And they are against you, man. They are not just ignorant. They know what they're doing. They love darkness. They they reject the truth, know it is true, and they accept the lie, knowing it is a lie. They are the they are the group of liars. Always have been. Um, I want to I want to go to uh, leaders of blacks for Trump. Leaders of blacks for Trump. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, how y'all doing today? Um. um I, I'm, I'm glad to hear, I don't know exactly who, who's all on the phone, but um, what I have to say is that, the, you know, they got this reparation thing going and all these tricks, and I have a, a great, the real answer to the reparation thing. If you, if you know biblical history, you will know that the black man and the white man, which is Shem and Japheth, the two sons of Noah, had to repopulate the earth, and so they walked over here to the Americas to repopulate the earth, and everybody was dead after the flood, so we owned the earth. And while we were there, we became, some of us were the Amalek, which was the black Indian or the Blackfoot, and the other ones were the, the Hopi, which were the, the Vikings or the white European Gentiles, and the yellow man. And we went into the islands, and we were called Tiang, and we went into Mexico and South America, and we were called Mayan. And so while we were there, we were entered in on by these people called the Phoenicians, who are the East Indians, Arabs, and Pakistanians, and these Canaanite guys. They started killing us. The conquistadors found out they were doing that, killed them. They run into the Americas and called themselves Cherokee. They were the original slave masters, as a matter of fact. But the land belonged to the black man and the white man. We owned, the black man owned the south and the white man owned the north. Jim and Jeff said Ham was disinherited because him and his son Canaan disrespected Noah. This cat is the guy that got with the East Indians, Pakistanis, who are the Ishmaelites, who were the firstborn son of Abraham. And these guys are the guys that call themselves the Phoenicians, and they call themselves the Aztecs, the Inca which was the white ones and the red ones were the Aztecs, and then they came to the Americas. So who's to give reparations? Now, I said I have to say this. The land originally belonged to us, and now they want us to pay. We've been paying reparations to them for a land that they originally took from us. 
And then they're now, as the Democrats, trying to make white people pay reparations to the black man for slavery when the very first slave owners were all Cherokees. That's why almost all plantations were on reservations. You mean Cherokees enslaved black people? Huh? You say the Cherokees, Indians enslaved black people? Of course they did. So if you look up Sir John Hawkins, the first I know who he is. I got to look him up. I'm just, I'm just saying, in my opinion, brother, in my opinion, reparations should be paid opinion, by the brother, Democratic Party. Saying, let me finish my statement first because it's not an opinion I'm talking about. I'm talking about absolute fact. And you can go to my website or you can go and check out what I just said. The uh, fact I, I don't is so that almost all of the the people that had us in slavery, because, you know, they mixed with us so that we would defend them, so they're thinking we're defending ourselves. That's a big trick. But the fact that you have driver's license and you have to pay taxes means you're not them. So don't defend them. But the Who bottom line is these fools, these, these fools are the ones that had us in slavery, and then they are trying to make us, make the white They never had me in slavery, brother. When in actuality... So the, they're supposed to pay the black man and the white man reparations because they took the land from us originally because it all belongs to us because they are disinherited. Brother, nobody, no man ever so took land from me. In other words, what I'm saying to you <laughs> is that the black man is not owed reparations by this nation. We're owed reparations by the Cherokee nation because they were the ones that murdered us and hung us on trees and 35% of all of the hangings were white European Gentiles. So we're, we're both owed money from those bastards. So if they want to play the reparation game and all that, once the black man and the white man finally come back together, we're going to overthrow them. That's what they're fear of when they saw me and Trump standing on stage together because I represent the radical um, black supremacist, and he re- they say he's supposed to be a white racist. But the crazy thing is me and him are on stage together, and I'm not scared to show my face, you know, contrary to some of the other brothers that they like being there, but they don't want to stand up right into, in the yeah. So It takes boldness, brother. You're bold, and everybody can't be as bold as you. Your boldness creates right. other people yeah, to be bold. They, yeah, they can be as bold as me. It's just that they won't be, not right now. And I'm not mad with them for not doing that. But the point I'm making is when, when they saw us stand together, the heathen, a great fear fell upon the heathen because they know that the Lord is on his way to reign because is the that great man that was predicted to come and deliver the children of Israel and the white European Gentiles out of the slavery that we're both in. We are paying reparation and taxes to them after we came and conquered them. I'm talking about white people, conquered the Indians, but somehow we're paying taxes to the people we conquered. We give them $20,000 a month, $5,000 a month to run businesses, and they don't pay taxes. That's exactly what Caesar who, did. Who don't pay taxes? Because the land belonged be to him. Who doesn't pay taxes? All I'm, all I'm telling you is they owe us. We, okay. White people don't owe me anything because they always came to our rescue. They came to rescue us while we were in slavery. Those were European Gentiles. The people that owe us are the people that had us in slavery. They are the beast. And, and it's not all of them, but the ones who are called the upper ones, the ones that's in charge, they're in trouble. 
we're not we're gonna have to stop paying them their twenty thousand dollars a month because we don't owe that to them because the land was given to us first. And when they lie and say that they were here first, they're a damn lie because even if they were here seventeen thousand years ago like they lie and say they were, even if they were here seventeen thousand years ago, God Yahweh said he flooded the earth and killed everybody. So when he told Shem and Japheth to go repopulate the earth in Genesis nine eighteen, when we walked over here there was nobody on earth alive. See, and he said, the earth and everything belongs to me and my inheritance in Psalms 24.1. And the black man and the white man are the inheritance, not the Hamites, not the Canaanites, not the Ishmaelites or the Edomites. Those are the four that are against the black man, the white man, the Tiano, and the Mayan. So we're all in slavery to those four guys. And I'm here to say we're not going to do that no more. And we don't have to worry about them because they became our teachers. Yeah, the only trickery. reason they bring up reparations is so we can have this conversation. No one expects reparations, man. Right. It's and, a game. But, it's a yeah, game. but I want them to bring it up because you're damn they, right. You owe me money. <laughs> I want my money. I want it from your country. I want it from white people who came to fight to free me. Let me, let me ask you a question. Let me, let me ask you a question, man. I, I'm, you curious I'm, I'm curious about something. You go after the people that punish your ass. I'm curious about it. Can I ask you a question? The way you win any war is to at least know your enemy. The enemy is the Cherokee and the Democrat. Any white Democrat whose name traced back to being a Confederate, that bastard owes me money. And he not only does he owe me money, he owes money to the white man who died at Gettysburg to free me. You understand? And 76% of the whole Confederate army were Cherokee Indians. Arthur Carter, President Carter's granddaddy, know that? was a white who, man who, who, who was actually a Cherokee that started the Ku Klux Klan. That's why they wore tents the on their head I'm... that looked like tents because they represented TTs. They are the problem, and they're the hidden problem. And they have deceived the whole world, and they got us blaming white people for what they do to us. And then I don't white blame people blame black people for what those East Indians and them Hamites do to them. That I can listen to life as my responsibility. I don't blame anybody. Huh? And nobody when owes I'm, me when, any reparations. When they, said, when they said black people, black people were rioting out there, there was no black people rioting out there because I was in that crowd with that brother. Um, I forgot his name. Mike Brown in St. Louis. Yeah. I was in yeah. that crowd. I walked yeah, through that with a camera. There were black people. Are you saying no black people riding in Ferguson? Hold on, hold on, All brother. Are you saying no black people riding in Ferguson? Indians, Arabs, and Pakistanis. Oh, you could overtalk me, but that's, that's, not, that's a lie. one black <laughs> Black people I, were riding in Ferguson. <laughs> I'm also near St. Louis. I'm in Jefferson County. Yeah, and the black people that was, that was riot, but that were not rioting was standing on the you bring it up, man. Go ahead, go ahead, Clarence. I want to go to Daryl, Clarence, but um, get, what were you saying, Clarence? Can, can you, you're cutting out a little bit. I can't hear you, buddy. Daryl, go ahead. I hear nothing but silence yeah. now. Uh, I'm, I'm here, brother. Definitely okay. some uh, interesting discussion to here tonight. Well, it wasn't uh, really Clarence, a discussion. I think it would have been very interesting to have one. I would love to talk to that guy, but there was no discussion. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, hear, I didn't. I hear that ahead, didn't come Daryl. through. I yeah, so uh, definitely interesting perspective from, from Clarence, and I think that's really the, the Darryl, common theme here. Out. Is the, it's getting fuzzy. Can you, can you get a better connection? It's like he's driving a guy out of range. I don't know. Um, but my, on reparations, you guys can hear me. I'm understanding here. from the Internet that you guys can't hear me. 
on reparations. Yeah, better, way better, uh, way better now. Way better, way yes, more clear. Thank you. Go ahead, Daryl. It's a, it's a it's a hustle. Reparations is a hustle. Well, wait, they want to have an argument discussion over it. They know good and well. The only people that owe reparations are the Democratic Party, the Party of Slavery, the Party of Jim Crow, the Party of the Black Coast, the Party of the KKK, the Party of of uh, the the uh, people that get abolitionists. It's, it's them. Always has been them. The party of the planet. Nobody owes me a dime. I'm gonna take mine. I, I can earn a lot more you can give me. You know, I'm I'm pretty competitive. So let's just go do this. And, and I don't really care if you don't like me. I don't care if you don't want me next door. I don't care if you don't want me to to have a business next to you. That's irrelevant. Uh, I think that if if America was racist, you would not know the name Oprah Winfrey or Jesse Jackson, or Al Sharpton. If America was racist, there'd be no black NBA stars. If America was racist, you will not know who Steve Harvey is. So uh, because these people could come up and speak out against America sometimes and still become successful means that America is only competitive. It's not racist. And they can keep your behind from being competitive. They can get you to hide behind their racial slur and scared of success. Then they're going to they're gonna be less competitive. You're going to be less competitive than they are. We can achieve everything that we want in this country. Black people dominate everything we think we can do in spite of white folks not liking it. We dominate the NBA, NFL, boxing, singing, dancing, pimping women and selling dope. We dominate everything we think we can do. Why don't we think we can have a family, own a business, become successful, and run our own country? I think I can. Daryl, go ahead, and then I I I got to take a quick commercial break, but Daryl, go ahead. Perfect. Yeah, really, really interesting discussion tonight, and I think that the common theme that's coming out is the the retraction of male leadership, specifically the impact that that's had on the African-American community, and and now we're seeing similar effects in in the white community. So I think that uh, there are parallels between the concerns in both communities. Uh, I think that it's very disturbing when you realize that prior to segregation, out-of-wedlock birth rates in the African-American community were at 15%. They're now at 70%. Uh, the white community at that point in time was at 2%, and it's now at 30 So both of those figures are deeply alarming, and the retraction of leadership obviously is directly linked to the retraction of God's influence or the turning away from God's influence, and uh, we know historically we know historically what that leads to. So uh, what we have here, and, and I think you, you can look at the policies from the left, and you can recognize that things like the removal of the intact household requirement from welfare recipients – uh, that was essentially that was an act of violence against the African American community because it, it took away the the incentive to stay together and it actually and then we actually went to an even further uh, deviation of that where we became really perverse where we're at right now to where not only are we are we not tying incentives to good faith behavior but we're now actually tying them exclusively to bad behaviors so the majority of welfare uh, benefits there are now specific benefits that you can't get if you're in an intact family. Um, single, single mother, a single True. mother home is the desired model for the left for the reasons that we pointed out early. You remove the influence of the father. You replace him with the government. The ideal family for the left is a, a mother raising five children from four different fathers. Okay, because the mother is obviously going to be dependent upon the government, so she has their votes, and then you're subsidizing children uh, being raised without proper influence, without a check and balance in place. So you're uh, effect- so you're effectively farming an army of dysfunctional, chaotic people. And also, and we by see the way, this and also, and also though, yeah. just to make a point, you're also taking away that man's financial capabilities 
by taking money from him to feed those children and that woman. So he's also now out of society, can't earn income, can't become a part of society, and it keeps us separate. You know, it's a, they do not, they yeah, do not separate the woman correct. from the man, but the man from the woman. Yeah, that's, and exactly. And the left is, and they, they essentially throw out the father. You know, and that's yep. that's ideal. And, and we're we're, breeders, we talk a like lot. A slave it's, a, it's yeah, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a two pronged. We talk a lot about you know about men misbehaving, and and you know, it's all cyclical because obviously, if you believe that the man is the head of the table, and if the women are misbehaving, that obviously speaks to a, a lack of leadership from the male seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all cyclical, and and we have a system in place that actively looks to. Uh, pull out and victimize men and uh, it's kind of a give and take where there's a there's a mixture of we've got to look in the mirror all of us as men and say you know where are we falling short while also recognizing that you know these things in place but 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 really a lot of this came about and certainly the family court system is is deeply abusive specifically to men go ahead sure you know and at the same time uh you know i think men kind of had had the thought that uh, we could all have happy divorces and, and go our separate ways, and uh, it's all cyclical. And, it, and, and ultimately, if you do believe that the man is the seat of the table, it comes back to us. And real quickly, on you know, yeah. and I think the point that Kevin was making, I don't think it, it was meant to be contentious, but if we're all in agreement that handouts don't work, I think that we should also all be in agreement that uh, targeted that targeted handouts from this administration should should uh, should not be welcomed either. And I think that there's a, a, a danger that the Republican Party actually just kind of uh, does their own version of handouts. And we, we get in this mindset of turning the African-American community around from thinking it's all the Republicans' fault to it's all the Democrats' fault. The reality is the, the black community, the white community, both communities have to turn back to God and take accountability and restore our households, our families, and our communities. I appreciate that, buddy. If we turn back to God, the first thing we must turn to is the fact that men and women are not equal. I am the head of my home. I do not debate that with my woman. And I think that men need to stop pretending, because they're pretending uh, because we want sex. So we give up our manhood for sex because women get bad. But we've got to start, start protecting our home by being the leader. The dominant person in the house has to be the biggest, baddest, strongest dude. You see, if you break my that's home exactly, tonight, yeah, I, I'm going to be the one. Exactly, that's what we've got to start yeah, doing. We've got to exactly start preaching correct. that openly, openly preaching that. Well, yeah, well that's exactly correct. Well, we, 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 we have to take that leadership, but we have to stop looking at, you know, we're the victims of feminism, too. If we're the men, how did we allow amen. feminism to become this powerful? Amen. And we need to own that shot, and, and take accountability. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, buddy. No. Wait, wait, uh, Clarence. I wanna, I want to um, please tell everybody where they can find you. I am the e. I'm a capitalist, easy man to get money to. Mason Weaver at Mason Weaver. My website is masonweaver.com. My news site and my political site is leavetheplantation.org. I'm all over Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and every place else you can find me. Join up, folks. Let's go lead the slaves to freedom. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, real quick before you go, Dr. Bustler, I know you have some thoughts, and then uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break right after uh, your thoughts, and then I want to talk some economist stuff. But uh, go ahead, Dr. Bustler. Okay, just uh, real quick, I was listening to, to all this for the last half hour or so. And, you know, I think the, the, the key is was really the breakdown in the, the family. I think it was Mason that brought that up originally. Um, and what, once the whole family structure broke down and so many kids were raised in single-family homes uh, without the uh, traditional influence of both a mother and a father, um, 
and the uh, really the loss of values that they had. And two, you you bring up the uh, turning away from God, which is also uh, part of that. I think that led to some of the uh, deterioration we've seen in our society and a lot of the problems that uh, everybody mentioned here. Man, if we don't turn back to God, we have nothing. That's how yeah. black folks, we were into slavery, worshiping every false god you can think of. We did not come out of captivity until we start calling on the name of the Lord. Our freedom depends on that. Our prosperity depends on that. Jesus Christ did not compromise with us on the cross. I will not compromise with him in the world. Uh, Cl- Clarence, I want to I thank you for coming on. It's uh, really been a pleasure, and uh, we'll have you back on again soon, my friend. Let's do it again. Stay right or be left. It turns into a long time to be wrong. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind the scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. All righty, we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 22 different countries on over 60 online platforms. And everybody, if you missed past clips, past episodes, or 24, need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit our new media site, the next N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. I want to welcome uh, uh, economist, entrepreneur, speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, LiveJet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler. Uh, <clears throat> Dr. Bussler, I, want, I really want to get into yeah. economy. Um, we, we saw the reports this week. Uh, the jobless claims are the lowest 
since 1969, and America created 196,000 jobs in March, beating expectations for 170,000. We also saw President Trump's job approval jump to 53% this week, seven points higher than Obama at this time in his at this time in Obama's presidency. Uh, you know, two years in. What are your thoughts on – and as well as I want to mention this economic uh, big, big announcement this week. Bank of America is raising their minimum wage to $20 for their employees. That's unbelievable. Well, that's a big number. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we, we know how, how well the economy is doing. It did slow down a little bit in the fourth quarter, um, and the first quarter of this year, uh, growth is going to be a little slow too, probably – uh, the number will be out the end of uh, April, but it's probably in the 2.3, 2.4 range. Uh, not bad, but not as good as what, what we'd hoped. Um, it should pick up, though, significantly in the second and third quarter. And I'm looking for the uh, year as a whole to end up uh, pretty close to or slightly above the 3% growth, which we just missed uh, last last year. Um, with regard to wages, there there are a lot of companies – um, they, they say they're raising the minimum wage. What they're doing is they're raising the, the starting wage. And the reason is that the, the wages they were offering, uh, they simply couldn't get enough uh, qualified people. Uh, because the unemployment rate is so low, uh, there aren't a lot of uh, unemployed people around. <clears throat> so what you have to do now is encourage some of the workers that have dropped out of the labor force because the last decade was so poor in growth, uh, encourage them to come back into the workforce, which is happening. And the way to do it is to encourage them with uh, higher wages. Uh, Target, for instance, said their starting wage will be, I think, $13 an hour. A number of companies are going to $15 an hour. I hadn't heard the Bank of America number, but um, if it has anything to do with uh, their employees in New York City, uh, you know, twenty dollars starting wage is uh, probably where things things should should be. Um, the other the thing that uh, I think slowed the economy down in the third in the fourth quarter last year and even a little bit now <clears throat> is the uh, as Donald Trump said the the Federal Reserve got much too aggressive with interest rates. Uh, we know they were at um, historical lows, but they raised them nine times between the end of. Uh, 2016 and the end of 2018 uh, and they did have to come up that's true they were historical lows but trying to uh, raising interest rates by that much that quickly at a time when your your primary goal is to stimulate economic growth uh, ended up slowing things down a little bit uh, it's it's good to note that uh, chairman powell the federal reserve said that he won't raise interest rates at all anymore this year and that's encouraging. Um, as you may know, uh, um, President Trump's chief uh, economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, and Janet Yellen, who was uh, chairperson of the Federal Reserve prior to Powell, uh, an Obama appointee, uh, both have said that they think the Federal Reserve should cut interest rates, that they did raise them too quickly the last two years, and it is uh, slowing economic growth. Um, and since we have no signs of inflation and the tax cut was really a supply-side oriented tax cut, which also discourages inflation, 
So there's no uh, reason that the interest rates were taken up as quickly as they were, and perhaps they should consider, as Kudlow and Yellen said, perhaps they should uh, consider cutting interest rates. I don't think that'll happen, but um, the interest rates won't uh, probably be raised by the Federal Reserve at all this year. So we'll get uh, not as good a growth in the first quarter as we'd like, but I see things picking up in the second and third quarter. Very well said. And, uh, you know, let me <laughs> ask you about this. And, and you know, you're, you're a professor, and you know, you know this yeah. sort of industry well. This, this college scandal, I mean, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit, but, uh, you know, I want to go into a little bit of detail. But, you know, yeah. let's face the facts that this stuff happens all, all the time. I mean, not all the time, but it happens frequently. These people just happen to get caught. But let's not ignore the fact that this has been happening for very long. Financial influence has helped a lot of people get into schools, has it not? It certainly has. And, uh, you, you know, it's uh, it's a difficult thing here. Um, the, the colleges and universities need donations. Uh, and you get donations from typically from um, alumni. Uh, now, they're not supposed to have any influence in uh, admissions decisions. The reality is that um, if you've graduated from a college or university and, you know, you're a, uh, you've been donating um, and your child wants to apply, uh, they get what they call legacy status, and it makes it a little easier for them to get in. Um, you can debate whether that's a, uh, exactly wrong or not. Um, but clearly what uh, some of the actresses did to get their kids into school uh, was uh, wrong, um, illegal, uh, and uh, certainly not a, a proper thing to do. Making it worse, um, like with that Lori Laughlin, uh, she paid half a million dollars to get her two daughters yeah. into Southern California, which is bad enough. But what makes it even worse is it was disguised as a – donation to a charity, which means, I believe, she took a tax deduction for it. Um, now, that, I think, is, uh, uh, makes the bad act much, much, much worse. Um, and anybody that uh, pays a bribe directly like that to get uh, a child into school, that's obviously wrong. Um, it, it, it bothers me, too, uh, about uh, athletes. Um, um, all three of my kids were college athletes, and uh, being a an athlete uh, does help you get into school if the athletic yep. team wants you to play for the, the team. You still have to meet yep. the minimum standards. There's no doubt about yep. it. Um, but, um, you know, if you're looking at a, a school that's extremely competitive, there are probably, you know, four or five highly qualified students for each spot. They have to say, well, how do you decide which one? And uh, they look for somebody that has some significant accomplishment somewhere. Uh, oftentimes yeah. it's sports. Uh, could be other things, theater or uh, uh, politics. But oftentimes it's sports. And, you know, they show the athletes that have uh, significant mm -hmm. accomplishments. Uh, that shows mm -hmm. a little extra and it helps them get into school. Um so to use a bribe to take a spot from somebody who has worked that hard to get into school, I think, is uh, absolutely terrible. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say. Uh, I do want to get people's thoughts. I do got to take one more yeah. one-minute commercial because there was a few things 
Uh, we're a little late tonight, and I didn't get to all the commercials, so we'll be we'll be right back, everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Rory Are you an aspiring show. entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, if people are missing this show, they're, they're missing a lot. This has been a great show tonight. And, uh, you know, Dr. Bussler, you know, it's it's always a great pleasure to talk with you. I, I don't know how Rory found two conservative professors, but he did. So it's, it's good. It's good. It's hard to do these days when 80% of them are liberals, you know? It is, and you found them, you know, you found Michael and myself. But, you know, he's absolutely right. And the whole paradigm on how colleges are set up, how admissions are set up, especially when you're looking at, you know, athletes, bringing in athletes that mean millions of dollars to the universities, millions. Yep. Uh, it, it just it just leads to an environment of you, what you see happening right now, uh, you know. And this this is unfortunately it's nothing new, uh, you know. This this is the kind of thing that has been going on for an awful long time, you know. Daddy builds a wing to a building. Next thing, Kennedys go to, you know, Harvard and Yale, right? So. Yep. Uh, you know, this, this this has been going on. Um, you know, I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg. They got caught. Uh, but, I, you know, I guarantee that it's happening a lot all over the place. But also what we have to look at is the entire structure. Uh, you know, as an economist, uh, you know, I'm sure Dr. Butler would, would, would agree that colleges and universities are very subsidized. They're subsidized through... Pell grants are subsidized through student loans. The student loans go on to the student forever. They're not eliminated even if you declare bankruptcy. They increase the price of admission. Um, you know, and I'm telling you right now, I, I haven't had a raise in over a decade, so it, it's not filtering down to the professors. Uh, <laughs> however, we do see admissions going up, so we, you know, keep employed. Uh, but right now, uh, the, the way that it's set up right now is, you know, colleges are set up. Uh, this is very prime. What what happened with these actors and these very wealthy people, you know, is something that has been going on. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. And for them, you yeah. know, for them just to admit it and, you know, uh, it, it, it's incredible. It, it just, it's just incredible. Uh, when it happened, people asked me, and it was like, well, didn't you know this is going on? What, what didn't you know is going on? Uh, but, you know, to, to see 
a bunch of actors and actresses that get into the uh, daytime Emmys, that get into the Oscars, claim that there's white privilege out there when the reality is they're the privileged. They're the ones using exactly. their money for influences. Their daughters, their sons are going to college when they don't deserve to. And, you know, quite frankly, they're given degrees. It's not like those daughters had to earn or have to earn any of their grades. You know, right. goodness gracious. You know, and if they do, they have people doing their assignments for them. So, yeah. you know, it, it's a terrible thing that's going on. You're absolutely right. Um, Kevin, go ahead. What I really love about your show, Rory, is that we get to talk about things that the media and most other people just won't talk about. And, and this is a special example. Everything that's been said is absolutely right. And another thing I want to bring up is affirmative action, because you have people just based on their skin color, the background, that they're getting into these universities, not through merit. Uh, often they're subsidized, they're groomed, they're bored, um, and uh, oftentimes they wouldn't even be in that university if it weren't for these subsidies. And it really makes you think that, uh, well, if, if it was a meritocratic system, then maybe these celebrities wouldn't have to be paying extra money in order to get their kids in, into these colleges, perhaps. But the, it's a really, I think, a shame that uh, it's, this affirmative action is impacting the Asian communities and it's impacting the white communities. And it's, uh, I don't think it's, it's fair. And I don't think that America is nearly as much of a meritocratic country as it once was. I hear Can you. I chime um, in on that, Rory? Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Dr. Yeah. Okay, so, Branch, yeah, Branch, you know, Kevin, uh, another thing that it does is it lowers the standards of the universities. So your college degree that you just got, the thing is, is it lowered the standards, and here's how it does this. You'll see a concerted effort, for instance, in the inner city, and teachers especially, where you, you may have had um, – uh, a, a principal with a different skin color than the community. So it was deemed that we need to get more people with master's degrees to become uh, with a, with a, the, 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 the skin color that uh, is more um, in line with the community. So they say, okay, we're going to spend X amount of dollars, federal dollars to educate mm -hmm. that, uh, to educate that race so that they can, become principals and school administrators. So then what happens is they go out to these universities, and many universities are, are, are pariah on this. They will take that money, lower their standards, and basically give out a master's degree. Then all of a sudden, these people now are principals. Then it says, well, wait, now su superintendents, the same thing is happening. So we need more doctors out there. We need more PhDs. So let's dump yeah. millions of more dollars into these initiatives in Atlanta and Chicago than many of these schools out there that are for-profit institutions are taking this money, lowering standards, and you know giving out a, a Ph.D. that is lesser. And, the pro and, and what I find is I'll get a Ph.D. student that doesn't even know how to form a paragraph, and yeah. that is a big problem, and now they're running school systems. That is a huge problem that we have in this country. You're completely um, right, yes. Uh, Mike Peters in New York, go ahead. Yeah, you know what I was wondering after, after listening to you, doctor, is, is how many problems you have in the school, do they ever cause you any grief for your position because they know you're conservative? 
and um, surrounded with other liberal professors. I mean, does it cause trouble for you? Is it a problem? Well, I'll tell you if if I can uh, chime in on that. Um, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I teach it. I teach at a university in New Jersey. It was started originally years ago, back in the late 60s, as a, a liberal arts college. And they still maintain a very strong liberal arts philosophy. They even I'm in the school of business, and they even want to uh, infuse as much of that in there as, as possible. And I'm, I'm okay with that, I guess. Um, what really is a, a problem for me, I'd say there's probably uh, there's 330 faculty members at, at my university if I could find five of them that were conservative, I'd be a, I'd be surprised. Um, wow. The the rest of them are very uh, heavy liberal, um, and the liberals don't like the although they profess free speech, uh, they really don't like to hear uh, any free speech as uh, if it has to do with a conservative view. They push diversity on campus. And I keep saying, not only do I understand your views for diversity and I'll, you know, respect the need for that, we should also co- uh, consider political diversity on campus. And they don't seem to uh, be too concerned about pushing, pushing that. Um, I know uh, um, when I, I, I stopped applying for some things that are uh, given to professors, uh, grant money and some research time and some uh, uh, course release time to do research. I'm probably the most published uh, professor in the the School of Business. I've got 57 journal articles, so I certainly do a lot of research and I qualify uh, for some of these grants, but the people that, uh, the faculty members that um, are the ones that decide, they're on the committees, and, you know, I applied for one or two and got turned down, and uh, I simply stopped applying for those things anymore. Uh, so I'm just a little careful about entering into uh, discussions about things, um, and um, I know that there are certain perks that I'm not going to get, um, but that's just the way that conservative professors are treated on my campus, and I have a feeling on a lot of other campuses nationwide. We we have about we have about four minutes left. Um, I, I hear Dr. I, I do, Branch Dr. Branch, just so I can actually I'll get to. I want to get to uh, Bill because I know he has a thought, uh, but I want everybody right now, just in case we have to disconnect, uh, Dr. Bussler, pl- tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, yeah, I'm at, on Twitter. It's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. That's M. Bussler. <clears throat> if you're on your Facebook page, search Funding Democracy, facebook.com forward slash Funding Democracy, and if you follow me, you'll get, a, you'll get to see all my columns. Uh, Kevin, tell everybody where they can find you, just in case we we have to we have to go here in, in a couple minutes. Oh yes, well, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Nationalist United, Kevin Kuiper, and also uh, NationalistUnited.com. Thanks. Okay, um, Dr. Branch, tell everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Bob Branch, B O B B R A N C H. Bill, go ahead. Uh, yeah, if you can follow me on Twitter. On this and then- Oh, you just give your thoughts. Uh, I know you had some uh, comments, and then uh, you can tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's like these sporting things. I, I think one of the things you do is sporting is not an accomplishment that should be gauged in in college admissions. I mean, what do you got, a, a half a percentile that, that actually makes a living out of sports? 
So I, I you know, I think that would would go a long way. Um, but uh, anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Super Elite Texan. Okay, and then uh, Daryl, if you can give your thoughts in one minute, go ahead and then tell everybody where they can find you. We we literally have like a minute yeah. and forty seconds left. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so yeah, we we have an alarmingly low rate of men on campuses. So maybe maybe it's time that we do do some uh, some quotas for for men, upstanding Christian gentlemen on the campus. That'd be a good thing. Interesting topic on race tonight. I think we had a lot of common ground about the retraction of male leadership. An important point I want to add in: urban thug culture is deeply toxic, both to blacks and whites. And I caution the conservative movement. I think that I remember I got an email from Charlie Kirk in the middle of the night that we were winning the culture war because Kanye West was wearing a MAGA hat. And I, and I might posit that perhaps that's, that's actually losing the culture war. And I think that that uh, elevating, you know, illiterate, functionally illiterate people that don't know how to put on a belt uh, to the point of that level of political stature and naming them leaders of the African-American community is, is offensive to both whites and blacks because there are plenty of uh, literate, articulate African-American leaders such as Thomas Sowell, Larry Elder, so on and so forth, Sheriff David Clark. And I think that when we talk about criminal justice reform and, and eroding the laws and the law and order in this nation, that's also deeply destructive. And that's a very dangerous and, and frankly, wicked way of, of pandering to get votes from communities that are committing violent crimes at very high accelerated rates. Again, DarylCain2024.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a blessed evening. Yeah, it, it's been it's been it's really been a fantastic show. Um, Mike Peters, tell shout everybody out to the Danger No, I'd just like to thank you for inviting me over to the show and had a fantastic conversation. Very enlightening, and uh, just thanks again for another great show, Rory. Absolutely. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, we got, we got disconnected. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, it's been a fantastic show. Uh, I want to thank my audience. I want to thank my sponsors, my co-hosts and guests. Don't forget we're listened to in 22 different countries, and we're on over 60 online platforms. Uh, we will be back with you on Thursday. We have a great show planned. We got big guests coming on, and uh, I'm excited to share it with all of you. Uh, have a blessed night. I'm Rory Sodder. God bless everybody. Cheers.